Recovery Elevator, episode 274. Life can be a lot easier. If I stay, if I stay on this right path, life can be a lot easier. And Welcome to the Recovery Elevator podcast. My name is Paul Churchill. Thank you so much for joining us. On today's podcast, we've got Jeff. He's from Tampa, Florida, and took his last drink on February 8th, 2020. In the interview, he talks about what it's like to quit drinking right before this shitstorm called COVID is unleashed. It's a fantastic interview. You guys are going to love it. Today is the last day to register for our six-week course titled Ditching the Booze, the What, the Why, and the How, starting tomorrow, Tuesday, May 19th at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. This six-week course is included for CAF ARE members. It's included with member registration. So week one, tomorrow night, we're going to pair you guys in groups of six with a team leader, and we are going to create accountability. Week two, we're going to talk about cravings, what they are and how to deal with them. And you're going to get a meditation specific to dealing with cravings. Week three, we're going to talk about routines. Week four, we're going to get coherent on your future self, but building that vision of your future alcohol-free self in the present moment called now. Week five, we've got a special guest instructor to cover mindfulness. And then week six, we're going to be connecting with spirit. The opposite of addiction is connection. And we're going to learn ways to reveal the illusion of fear and separation. Use the promo code opportunity to waive the setup fee. Again, today is the last day to register for this course. Go to recoveryelevator.com. I hope to see you there. Okay, let's get started. I feel you. I feel you. I do. The point of this episode is to let you know you're not alone if you've recently found yourself feeling frustrated, annoyed, mad, sad, angry, resentful, full of shame, or drunk. I was relieved, and that's an understatement, when I realized I wasn't the only person on the globe who had a drinking problem. My goal right now is to add some immediate relief to your life knowing that you're not alone in feeling these emotions. It's okay to be upset, and it's all right to be flat out pissed at times. I wish I could share my email inbox with you guys right now. People across the globe are reaching their breaking points. And let me phrase that in a different way. People are going through major inner growth spurts right now. It's like that kid who comes back after summer break five inches taller, or in this case, 10 inches taller because summer break started three months earlier. So let's vent for a bit. And before we begin, I want to cover how we're going to vent and the point of it. How? We're going to talk about it. That's it. We're just going to talk about it. Why? To move energy. To start shifting the stagnant emotional currents inside and talking about this is a great way to do that. What we're not going to be doing in this episode is add any more low vibrational energy to the story or COVID experience. So we're not going to double down on these emotions. What I mean by that is we're not going to get upset that we're frustrated or sad that we're sad or anxious that we're anxious. You dig? You ready? I think so. Here we go. People are fed up and they're reaching for short-term relief in the form of Pop-Tarts. No, I'm kidding. Booze. Alcohol sales are up 55% from this time last year. And for some reason in America, tequila sales are up 75%. I think Cinco de Mayo had something to do with that. Even the beer company with the virus in the name, Corona, has seen close to a 50% spike in sales. I mean, come on. Recently, I saw a video online where a guy was walking down his streets on recycling day showing bin after bin, 
packed, many overflowing, with cans, bottles, boxes of wine, all alcohol, right? Social media is ripe with memes, tweets, videos, and jokes about alcohol consumption during the pandemic, but just about everyone has seen the clear limitations of how far alcohol can take us, and they're starting to realize that alcohol is shit. Everybody, not just those who grapple with the drinking problem. And many of those who are listening right now have seen the dark caverns that alcohol can take us to time and time again. I heard a story from a police officer the other day where he gave more daytime DUIs last month than he has in his entire career. So it's okay to be sad, anxious, depressed, or drunk. Yep, I said it. Let's get real. Some of you are drinking right now while listening to this podcast, and my message to you is, as long as you're doing your best, you're good by me, and let's roll. I know you'll get back on it soon. And if you've made it through COVID without a drink, hell yes to you as well. Let's keep moving forward. So I'm a firm believer that things are rigged in our favor. And this is an unconditional blanket statement that applies to COVID as well. I still believe this with all my being, but it's okay to be pissed off. And if we ignore or stifle these feelings, it will only bite us in the ass at a later date. It has to be felt in real time, like right now. We are venting together, but we aren't adding to the story. We're simply moving the energy. That's what we're doing right now. We're actually doing something positive in our journey. So we're venting. And if you can't tell, I'm venting. I'm a little fed up myself. Many of you have found yourself with more idle time. Insert rumination, where we think of what we could have been doing if it weren't for a COVID. And then if, and once we get off that, we waste no time shifting our thoughts to thinking about what we should be doing. And then when we don't find ourselves learning French or a new meditation practice or reading volumes of Quitlet, we beat ourselves up. So here are some things that I've been frustrated with, and maybe you can relate. Hooray, home testing kits are available. Oh wait, they aren't shipping to your state, insurance doesn't cover them, and they aren't accurate. Hey everybody, don't wear a mask. One week later, don't go outside without a mask. Stimulus check. Hmm, I haven't seen that yet. Unemployment queues around the block. We've moved from shelter in place to safer at home. What the fuck does that mean? Amazon Prime shipping times went from two days to two to three weeks. And you've only got Christmas puzzles left, Amazon. Come on. Liquor stores are essential businesses. Are you fucking kidding me right now? You want a lesson in patience? Try living with your parents again for seven weeks at age 38. In all reality, guys, I am so thankful for this extra time that I've got to spend with my parents. But there have been some challenging times. Okay, back to moving energy. There is one house in this neighborhood that is getting remodeled, and it's 25 feet away from my podcasting studio setup right now. If you're hearing a grinder in this episode, well, we're all just gonna have to deal with it. Slow internet speeds? Ah, uh, well, that's because everyone on the block is streaming the Lion King or the fucking Tiger King, whatever it is. Hmm, spam callers are still working, and apparently more of them have my personal cell phone number than ever. I woke up the other morning hangover free. Wait a second, that's uh, that that that's a really good thing. How how did that get in there? Ah, we'll leave it. That that that's actually a damn good thing. And all of you outside going for a walk, please use the side of the road. COVID means less cars. It doesn't mean walk in the middle of the street. 
My first dining experience after things started to reopen involved a wobbly table. I said to myself, you guys have been closed for six weeks. Checking for wobbly tables would have been a good idea. I can't stand wobbly table, guys. I don't know about you. And on a personal note, I was supposed to be in Vienna, Austria today, starting a week-long advanced workshops with one of my idols, Dr. Joe Dispenza. And our Denver event this June, not happening. Canceled. Gone. We had to refund like 35 k in payments, and I'm not sure when I'm going to get my 15 k deposit back. Ugh. Thanks for allowing me to vent. Let me see if that's it. Yeah, I think I got it. So I feel better now, right? And what I'm doing is I'm moving the energy internally. What we don't want to do again is double down, start latching to this story because the ego, the pain body, this is Eckhart Tolle's work, wants this extra negative energy. So this isn't a negative podcast episode. In fact, it's just the opposite. We're allowing ourselves to feel what we're feeling and to talk about it. Everybody's heard the resource in your toolkit, phoning a friend, reaching out to somebody when we're struggling. And I love it how in this episode, Jeff talks about how when he talks with friends, sometimes he doesn't even talk about a craving or, or the drinking issue. Simply talking is going to start to move the energy around. And another thing, as I mentioned before, we're going through a lot of internal growth. On Super Bowl Sunday, 2018, that was the first time that I let my emotions be expressed, be felt. I had a full-on meltdown that morning, which I call a melt-in. The heart and soul were searching for each other, and they found each other. After that moment, my recovery was slingshotted upward. So if you are feeling these emotions, let them be. Almost lean into them and allow them to be expressed. Okay, Recovery Elevator. Hey guys, thank you so much for venting with me. I personally feel better. I appreciate that. Find a friend to vent, but don't gossip. Don't add more drama. Think of it in terms of energy and start shaking that energy loose. Almost like a gold pan. You're sifting for gold in a stream and start shaking that back and forth. You're going to break off little pieces of energy like the sand falling through. Imagine you're doing that with your frustrations. You're going to start to feel better. Okay, enough out of me. Before we hear from Jeff, we're going to hear from Tiger Tail again. Tiger Tail is a company that makes premium dog leashes and collars, and I'm looking at my standard poodle Ben right now, and darn, he looks good in his Tiger Tail blue collar, and I've got the leatherish leash right by the door. These things feel good to hold. They're really high quality. Let's hear from Tiger Tail. Tiger Tail is an American-made premium dog gear company. Tiger Tail dog leashes and collars are odorless and waterproof, have an easy-to-operate class, and are backed by a lifetime warranty. You guys, I'm pumped about this sponsorship on a personal level. As frequent listeners know, I love my standard poodle, Ben. He's my sober rock star sidekick. I was recently contacted by Matt, one of the co-founders of Tiger Tail, asking if I'd be interested in trying out their products. Matt is in recovery himself, and he's a big fan of the podcast. Oh yeah, and he's a dog lover as well. Tiger Tail has three different styles of luxury vegan-friendly leashes. I've used all of the leashes, and personally, I like the Urban Nomad leash the best. I love Tiger Tail's mission, too. One of the positive things I've discovered during this pandemic is that animal shelters are nearly empty. Instead of isolating, people are adopting dogs and getting outside. And that's where Tiger Tail comes in. 1% of all their revenue goes to supporting dog shelters. And right now, Recovery Elevator listeners can receive 15% off any Tiger Tail order on Amazon by using the promo code ELEVATOR15. That's ELEVATOR15. 
just go to amazon.com forward slash tiger tail dog. Again, go to amazon.com forward slash tiger tail dog to explore the perfect leash for you and your furry friend. It's the last dog leash you'll ever buy. Jeff, how are you? Great, Paul. How are you? Jeff, I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. Let's get right into this. When was your last drink? February 8th, 2020. February 8th, 2020. And before I hit record, Jeff said 65 days away from alcohol. Nice job, brother. How's it feel? Fantastic. I feel great. Nice. Well, I'm excited to hear more about your story. What led you to the decision to remove alcohol from your life, how you did it, how you got 65 days away from the shit. But before we do that, Jeff, give listeners a little background about yourself, where you're from, what you do for a living, your age, do you have a family? And most importantly, Jeff, what do you like to do for fun? I am living in Tampa, Florida currently. I've been here five years. Um, I have a plumbing business down here. I do not have a family, so no kids yet. And for fun... I like to hang out with, with my dog, Bo. He's nine years old. He's a Catahoula pit bull mix. Exercise, go fishing on my kayak, camping, the, the normal things, sporting events, big LSU football fan. So th- those are my big ones that I enjoy. Yeah. And did I, did I hear you say you're 29? 29. 29 years old. Okay. So I'm excited to get to know more about you. Also share your experience of what it's like to quit drinking in your 20s. And right before I hit record... I said, uh, I got a couple emails from some people saying, hey, could you interview someone in their mid-20s or in their 20s who who started on this journey a little earlier in life? And then Jeff's email shows up later that day. Here we are. We had 55 days at that time. Here we are 10 days later. Jeff, thanks for joining us. Let me uh, Let me throw a softball question out there for you before we get into the good stuff. What's your favorite alcohol-free drink? Other than water or cherry Coke. Cherry Coke, huh? Okay. Now I've, I've limited those. But, you know, the first the first three weeks they were very popular. You know, one a day. Yeah. But, uh, oh, cherry Coke is so good. Cherry Coke. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't had one of those in a long time. I was actually more of a cherry Pepsi guy, but uh, yeah, those were so good. Well, yeah, n- not too much of it. I'll take a cherry Pepsi. So I guess yeah, cherry soda will work. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll go with that. Well, Jeff, uh, oh yeah, I've got to mention it's it, right. We, we before the sound test, it's, my go-to question is the weather. I'm like, hey, Jeff, what's the weather like out there? And I actually incorrectly said the temperature. We had a we had a high of 29 degrees. I'm recording this in Colorado. Went for a run today. It was 14 degrees when I woke up this morning. Snow on the, I think actually maybe six. Uh, like abnormally freezing and in the sound check jeff's like oh 90 degrees humid thinking about going to the beach or like it's beach weather something like that i'm like come on <laughs> yeah it's crazy yeah uh, the beaches are closed but uh, you can sneak on if you want to risk the you know with the covid 19 going on right now but yeah it's it's hot it's definitely very hot yeah it's yeah. crazy all right let's get into this jeff give listeners some background with your drinking when did you first start when did you recognize that alcohol was no longer in line with your future goals? Did you ever attempt to moderate? When did you first recognize the writing on the wall? Talk to us about your journey. I'm excited to hear it, Jeff. So like many others, started drinking around 15 uh, years old uh, with experimenting with friends and things like that with you know anything you get your hands on, liquor, beer, Mike's Hard Lemonade, you know, having a good time with them. But you know, really, it goes back to being 
you know, I don't want to put my dad in a spot, but being five years old and uh, with my best friend at uh, my best friend's house, they were neighbors. And I remember a big treat was when, when, our, when our pops were having a good day was to be able to get a sip of, of their beer. You know, so being five years old and, and seeing adults enjoy a beverage that was forbidden for young people, it kind of, you know, made it seem like that adult beverage. So not that my problem started then, but it just has always been in my life. And then I was the youngest of three and uh, I would go down to, and visit uh, a sibling in, in college. And when my dad would go to the bathroom, you know, my, my, my sibling and his friends would you know, give me beers. So I was 11, 12 years old at college bars, and by the end of the night, you know, may have had two or three 12, 12 ounce beers. And just I got 11 and 12 years old in college bars. <laughs> so this is this is this is Louisiana. So it's kind of its own country. But I mean, it was it was a restaurant and a bar. Okay. But also, okay. This, this is back in 2002. You know, 2003. One. Yeah. And, and again, was- listeners, Jeff's 29, but before I hit record, we always have a conversation and he, he's an old soul. He's gotten started on the game of life early. He's done a lot of things that was confirmed, uh, hanging out in bars at that age too. All right, keep going. So it was just kind of a part of, in my mind, that that's what you did once you got older and what, and, and what people were doing when, you know, when I was in school or cutting the grass, I knew people were probably out there having a good time and a good time at having, having, you know, alcohol. So it just kind of was a part of my life, and it didn't seem like a problem. Everybody was happy. Everybody's having a good time. You know, of course, when you're young, your body recovers, and you don't really understand those things. So then when high school came around, gosh, those times are complicated for everybody. But, you know, the alcohol made it easier for for anything. So the parties and, and, you know, at that time, being somebody is just being at the party. So, you know, it wasn't anything to, to drink during the week, the weekend, you know, football games to, you know, beer pong tournaments. I mean, just, just kind of what we did, whether we were um, camping or at a friend's house, whatever we get our hands on. I mean, it'd be nothing to drink two or three cases of beer between four or five people and didn't realize it was a problem or anything like that. So nothing really traumatic happened. A few times got caught, parties got busted by police. Parents had to come, you know, pick us up and be disciplined that way. And then I went on to college at LSU and joined a fraternity there. And that's definitely where every, you know, alcohol is definitely very accepted. You know, it's, it's what you do. So that was a big turning point too. You know, you've got 50 cent shot nights, you've got penny pitchers night where you pay $10 and then inside it's, it's, it's relatively free to get a pitcher of, of whiskey mixed with a splash of Coke. And you're just walking around with a pitcher of, of whiskey and Coke and everybody's doing it, you know? So and then you drank till you blacked out and you figured out a way to get home. I mean, that was just what you did. You know, people weren't fishing. People weren't doing hobbies. You know, it was, sure. it was you know, of course, you don't have that, that much money. So you're out, you're socializing, you're, you're making, looking back on it, some good friends, but a lot of fake friends because it's easy to drink and, and act like an idiot and, and then be forgiven for it because you were, you were drunk, you know. Mm-hmm. So, so typical things like that. I realized that it was time to start this big choo-choo train of, of quitting alcohol and, and getting it out of my life, probably actually around 22 or so. I love that you said choo-choo train of removing alcohol 
from yeah. from your life. Yeah, it's a steam engine. It's moving forward. It's, it's a lot of momentum. So around age 22, you start recognizing some external circumstances that aren't favorable. And what were they? Hangovers were really bad. Being sick, you know, it, it's funny. It's like you think back and let's say you were, you were trying to make it through an all-day football tailgate or an all-nighter out. It was if you were feeling bad or a buddy was, was not feeling great, it's like, hey, try – Try switching to Red Bull vodka, you know, not, not, Hey, let's, let's drink some water, you know, let's drink some water, get some rest. So I realized that that was the big issue. And I just didn't feel like I was my best self. I, I feel like I could be doing so much more. I didn't really know what or why, or still don't really know hundred percent, but, um, it's so easy to just have a good day, have a drink, have a bad day, have a drink. And I just feel like I started feeling like that. I was, I was meant to do more. You know, but when it's when it's surrounded you all the time and everybody seems to be OK with it, they they're drinking even more than you. and They don't have a problem. You think that it's you know, it's just your issue. But then you realize that it's it's just it's not it's it's the alcohol. It's holding you back. So, Jeff, I'm hearing that seven years before you quit drinking at twenty nine, there was something inside you and your gut just said, you know what, this this has got to go. This doesn't feel right. Would you, is it safe to say that was like a gut intuition? There was something inside you. You said you didn't really understand it. You really know it. But you knew at that moment, seven years before you made the plunge, that it had to go? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. So the next seven years, you're starting to build awareness about the alcohol, right? And, and you, with, with the lens of other people, this is what we do. And you painted a great picture of what Louisiana is. I've only been there once. Yeah, I have been to Louisiana once. That's where New Orleans is. I was about three years ago. And actually, we were supposed to go to an LSU football game, but that didn't happen. All right. So, yeah, thanks for for painting the scene. Um, Seven years, uh, you're building awareness around alcohol. Fill in the gaps. What happens there? Well, so I was uh, when I left LSU, I went to Nashville, Tennessee. I was working in construction equipment, so another party town. And so went out and did those things, you know, for the first time to actually making a, a decent paycheck. And then I ended up actually as a uh, Sam Adams beer rep in New Orleans and Baton Rouge. So each at my house, I had at, at any given time, you know, 15 or more cases of beer. So each morning I loaded up a, a large ice chest in the, in the back of my vehicle and then also a, a carry around cooler to sample beers at, you know, as many as 10 to 15 spots in a day. So when you're when you're realizing that you need to maybe stop something and then it becomes your paycheck, it kind of delayed my my ability to realize that it was an issue because now I have to know what these beers taste like to be able to sample them with with owners of of, of pubs to to get it on the shelves. So sure. Jeff, was there a time when your mind was saying, "Look, this is part of the job. I'm getting paid to do this. Everybody else seems to be doing this with without issues." I imagine the mind was justifying that we need to keep on drinking, right? Of course, definitely. It was research at that point. <laughs> yeah, what is saying? It was research. For yeah, sure. It was research. Yeah, you need to know the product, right? Right. Right. Yeah. So, so that kind of that kind of delayed some things. And I moved down to Florida and. I knew then, and that was 2015, that I wanted to change, and I did. So I started moderating. I, I haven't had alcohol in the house very often at all for the last four or five years. But when I do drink, it was it was time to have fun. Uh, it was you know it was an all day thing, not stopping. You know, once I start, it's hard to stop. I'm very very happy when I am drinking. 
Um, that's what's difficult about giving it up. It's just the following couple of days. Hey, hangs Jeff, out. can you talk a little bit more about what you said? Once you start, it, it's it's hard to stop. What is that like for you? It's like a firework. You know, you, you, you light the fuse and then, or a bottle rocket and it shoots up. And then it's it's great for eight, nine hours. And then eventually it blows up. So, you know, either I couldn't control my emotions, um, either happy or sad near the end of it. Once the party was over, I was, you know, I was sad, you know, not not maybe showing it, but inside, you know, I didn't I didn't want to stop. I didn't want to go to bed, you know, so I would I would stop at a gas station or another bar and, and drink some more and, and drive, you know, and drive and risk these things that uh, can really screw you up when you get older. So and then and then the following couple of days was just hell. You know, I just would would be uh, couldn't get anything done. Didn't want to talk to anybody. And when I've got employees and I've got friends and and things that I want to do, I couldn't do them. I couldn't even put a waffle in, in, in the toaster. I, I just didn't have the energy, the mind power to to do anything. And so do you think it was self-loathing, Jeff, is in when you were 22, you had the awareness that you need to remove alcohol in your life, but you kept on doing it. Was it like you kept beating yourself up, the shame, the guilt? Did you is that something you dealt with? Yeah, I mean, there, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would definitely drink by myself and think about a lot of things in my life about how life is going to be in the future. So I got, I got a lot of thinking out, uh, you know, out of it. But uh, there probably was, you know, probably is some still underlying things that caused my, my reasoning. But I'm, I'm still figuring that out. Sixty-five days in. So. Sure. Yeah, that'll yeah. come with time. Yeah, and, and and Jeff. So was there a rock bottom moment? 65 days ago or, or get us up to speed talk about the events that happened before that in college in 2012 I uh, had a rock bottom moment just personally I was out all day drinking with friends and then uh, I lost my lost my cool I threw my phone and my um, my wallet and everything just on the side of the road walked home and completely destroyed my room uh, my apartment that another roommate was living in mirrors everything and don't remember it quit my job over email and i was supposed to be there like an hour or two later like six in the morning and you uh, don't remember doing that either n- uh no and there was That's blood. A great you might need to ditch the booze if line right there yeah yeah it's bad so then there was blood everywhere and my roommates family uh close family and extended family were in town to see the apartment and they came in and there's shattered glass everywhere and blood everywhere oh wow yeah so that was a little embarrassing that was that was one of the moments, but I didn't stop there. I mean, I had to I had to keep going. But most recently, my last my last drink was uh, a beer in downtown Tampa at Ebor, and the next day I got sick with like a cold or flu. So it put me on my on my butt for like four days. And I remember just saying that first day that I I just uh, I blamed it on the alcohol because I hadn't drank for three weeks before that. So I I gave in around that same time I always do that second third weekend. And I drank and uh, had like six or seven beers, and then I got sick. And I was like, I know it's from, I know it's from the beer. I know it is. So I gave it up, and uh, it was hard. You know, once, once uh, I knew once I started feeling well again from that cold, I wanted to keep that feeling, and to keep that feeling was to stay away. You know, to start staying away from alcohol entirely. Yeah, Jeff, sometimes life will give us a tailwind. Like you said, you got sick, and then you're not going to drink. You didn't drink through that, so it's almost like you end up with four or five days away from alcohol, and you're like, damn, here we are, almost a week. We might as well keep going. So what was the motivation after those initial four to five days? How did you do it? Uh, Like the saying says, one day at a time, keep busy. I started reaching out to people 
when I would think about drinking and not even talk about the fact that I'm not drinking, but just call old friends, exercise, cook, do the things that I know that I want to do in the back of my mind, you know, new hobbies. I started building things out of wood, learning that, buying tools with the extra money that I have uh, from not drinking. So journaling, writing things down, and just really starting to actually feel emotions again. So if they come about, let them, let them happen and just feel, feel alive and find out who I was again or, or a new self. But, you know, how I was before I started drinking at 15 years old, I was a happy kid. So I know I can do this. So it's just been one day, sometimes one hour at a time. Jeff, let me comment a little more on something you said uh, about a minute ago. You said when you're struggling, when you're thinking about taking a drink or you're experiencing a craving, you phone a friend. Now, listeners, let me let me explore this for a second here. Now, on face value, it seems obvious. Say, so, okay, I'm thinking about drinking. I'm going to phone a friend and talk about it. But you just said we didn't even necessarily talk about alcohol. You just talked to a friend. Now, here's what's happening. Talking, speaking, dialogue, narration is one of the best ways to move energy internally. This is one of the reasons why people love to talk, right? Sometimes it feels good when you get talking, and I'm doing it right now, just to let it flow, because a lot of energy is going to start to move. And a, and a craving, which we often think is, is towards alcohol, ethanol, it's actually a bundle of energy that needs to be moved, right? We, we misinterpret it, we mislabel it as we're, as we're craving alcohol. Usually we're craving sugar, but usually on top of that, we're craving the old so whatever it is, get out of the story because the mind is going to label it wrong. And a fantastic way to move this energy is to phone a friend, right? You don't even have to talk to somebody in a program or somebody who knows your goal to quit drinking. Just talk to somebody and start getting the sounds, the voices, the syllables, all that stuff, the consonants moving. And, you're, and, and the energy will eventually shift. So I love how you broke that down a little bit. And then um, also you talked about emotions. As I mentioned earlier, Jeff is on a fast track in the game of life. <laughs> and so emotions, right? This is what this is something that I that I dove into probably year two or year three was was really pulling up a chair and sitting with those emotions. Because at the end of the day, that's where this journey is taking us to be able to process, to deal with the emotions without even trying to alter them, without trying to change them, but letting them come at us at face value. And, and, and this is really almost like the keys to the kingdom of when these emotions come, not having any desire to change them. So I don't know if you're there. I don't even know if I'm there yet, but talk to us a little bit more about when you recognize, okay, these are emotions. I'm going to feel them. I might as well just embrace them. And what does that look like for you? How do you do it? Just trying to recognize a feeling. If something's frustrating me in the past, I had very short patience. So I would react with, with anger. So now you know, I'm learning patience. Instead of something uh, bothering me uh, um, or frustrating me, realizing that there's somebody out there doing something a lot harder. So that's been a problem of mine. And then also you know, another thing is, is when you're really happy is making sure that you understand that and maybe, maybe think why you're happy. Don't question why, but just try to understand why. Because some people don't want to be happy, but – and, and, and I was probably like that too. Why am I happy? I have this, this, and this going wrong. But I also at the same time would have 10 right things going on that I wasn't uh, letting my mind be aware of. So just actually being grateful for, for the simple things again. And, and it could be as, as much as just being able to go on a walk, like one of the podcasts you have with the, with the gentleman that got 
that got sober and, and then had the spinal cord injury. Oh, um, yeah, I remember that. Right. So it, it's just that was those a long time ago. You went way back in the vault. Way back. I told you. Yeah. So one thing, too, it, it, even with the gyms closed is, is move. So if, if I've walked, you know, five miles in the morning and, and then it's three o'clock in the afternoon and I've done what I've done, uh, I needed to do for the day, I'll go walk again instead of sitting around and, and, and wondering what I could do to maybe, you know, go off the tracks. So just moving uh, as well, just getting outside and going, taking the dog on a walk. And then during those times when I'm moving is really when I let a lot of uh, thinking get done and, and just recognizing that life can be a lot easier if I stay if I stay on this right path, life can be a lot easier. And I was doing a lot of things that were making it more difficult. Um, I would I would actually compare it when I was having going through this moderation period that uh, why why am I making myself wake up on a Saturday or a Sunday when with a mountain to climb just to get back to how I was feeling yesterday before I drank? If I just wait a couple hours, I, I won't do that. And the next morning, I don't have so much work to do mentally to get back on track. So it's just, it's just been very relieving. It's been very relieving. I, I, I feel great. I understand the benefits and, and I'm just very excited about life and, and I'm, I'm ready to, to continue. Jeff, another technique to deal with cravings, a great strategy, which you said is to move. So go for a walk, go for a run, right? And oftentimes we look at these exercises and go for a run. We do it for almost like vanity reasons to lose weight, but it's a great way to move energy when the heel hits the pavement or the grass. There's, there's a collision that occurs and energy moves. So it's a great way. If you can find a way to take your shoes off and do this in a park, you're going to be grounding and moving energy and getting exercise three for three. And Jeff, there's something else you said earlier that may have raised an eyebrow or two for listeners. That was, I didn't want to be happy or some people don't want to be happy. And that's a, a hint, a pointer of another reason why quitting drinking can be so hard is because you almost have to become a new person. So you quit drinking. That's one thing, huge start, but then you have to become a different person. This is entering the unknown. And the reason why people would prefer to be unhappy is because it's the known. We go through decades of, of drinking, of misery, shame, and guilt, this endless loop. And when we wake up in the morning thinking the same thoughts as yesterday, even if, even if those thoughts are depression, anxiety, shame, guilt, resentment, they're still preferred over thoughts of happiness and joy because they're unfamiliar. And when we wake up thinking the same thoughts in this moment, we've already predicted the future. In, in, in the East, they call that karma. And there was a time in my life, Jeff, in, in, in this journey about two and a half years ago, and plant medicine helped illuminate this for me, where I recognized it was like a light bulb moment, Jeff. I go, holy shit, I'm fighting a happy life is in I was the only roadblock. It was the unknown self. For me, I was preferring to to almost go through life with this like underlying um, degradation. Ah, that's not the right word. It was like an underlying buzz or hum of unease, right? Um, and I was able to become aware of that. And the, and the interview we did this morning, we talked about the power of awareness is once I became aware that I personally was fighting a happy life, that once I got into the unknown, when the body creates these chemicals to pull us back to the known, which is an unhappy life, I would see that as a pointer and I would, I would come back to it. Now, for the last year and a half, two years, when the body produces these, these chemicals to pull me back to the known, I'm saying, oh, I know what's going on here. And I push through it for a couple of days. Boom. You just hit a new threshold of consciousness, a new plateau 
grow a new foundation and move forward with that alcohol. So you're, you're, you're laying out the tracks here and I'm just, uh, just doing the commentary. I'm loving this, this chat, Jeff. And so where would, where do you want to go in an alcohol free life? And listeners, this is going to be big. I'm, I'm afraid 29 years old and he's already crushed, um, some things in life here. Big things get started early. What do you have on the horizon for you moving forward? Well, I'm trying not to think too far ahead because that's a problem of mine. So actually I'm, I'm trying to be more present. So that's the opposite of kind of what you're asking, but I want to be, I want to be, I, I do, I want to be more present and happy, you know, in the future with, with, with the family, you know, I, I didn't, I don't, I don't want to uh, have any regrets with that. So you know, I want to have a family. I want to be the best, the best role model possible to, to kid to, to my, you know, my kids, uh, the best husband that I can be eventually. Um, and obviously I want to continue to grow, to grow my, my, in my business life, you know, that really the, the sky's the limit, especially in this country. So if you can do, if you can do as many things today to make tomorrow easier, that's what I believe in. So, uh, that's, that's also where, you know, alcohol, uh, quitting alcohol came into play was, you know, if you drink today, you're taking away tomorrow's happiness. So, uh, there's a lot of things I want to do. Definitely want to travel. I want to travel. I want to hike. I want to see places like Vail, Colorado, like where you're at. So nothing really specific yet. I'm, I'm trying to right now just actually be present, uh, which I, I, I could tell I wasn't for, for a while. Jeff, I love how you questioned my question, right? So we put two, we put so much emphasis on where do you see yourself in five years? In fact, I got asked that question the other day and I answered it, but internally I'm like, Oh, these, I, I, the point is right now, right? It's, it's good to put emphasis and, and observe where you want to go and have goals. Sure. But over the last five years, I've taken a lot of value off that and not, not to say like, I don't have goals, but it's this moment. I've, I've almost reassigned the value, just like you said, Jeff, to be more present. For those who are listening that are, that are younger, right, maybe in their 20s, maybe even late teens or early 30s and are thinking about quitting drinking, what has this experience been like for you? And, and, you know, and listeners, Jeff went to a four-year college in the SEC. He was in a fraternity. I'm looking at him face-to-face like he's a good-looking dude. I, I imagine it's you know, and I got, I got, I quit drinking in late twenties, early thirties as well. It's difficult. There are its own set of challenges of getting sober a little earlier. What's it been like for you? It's, it's been once I, once I could, could, uh, battle my own demons inside so far, it's, it's been a lot easier than expected, but you know, that's now, I mean, if you look back and talking about the story, it's been, a, a almost a decade of, of knowing that I needed to, to make changes, but not knowing how or why. But some days have been hard when you have time on your hands, especially in the time that we're in right now with everything being closed. You know, it's definitely easy to, to give in. But really, uh, I don't really know how, how else to answer that. Um, you answered it perfect, and that was a great segue. We're recording this on April 14th. I imagine you're in the middle of the quarantine. What has it been like staying away from alcohol during the quarantine? It's been easy. Uh, there's no distractions. You know, we can't really see too many people. So actually when the, when the floodgates open and everybody's allowed to go out and be free again, you know, you have to start turning down more invitations and I'll be exposed to probably a lot, a lot more. So it will probably actually be, be harder in the future. Right now it's been easy because uh, there's no distractions uh, other than my own head. So once everybody's allowed back out into the, to the public, I think I'll be tested again. And um, I just I'm glad that right now I have so many days to 
to practice in my head and 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 reap the benefits now and and, and rack up these days and in these moments and understand these emotions and things before I go back out and, and socialize again and be hopefully be a lot more comfortable with my decision whenever that comes. And Jeff, that tells me that you're ready to quit drinking. Now with the quarantine, I've asked this question to a lot of people and some responses are, well, I have nothing to do but drink, right? The boredom is, 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 is killing me, right? And even that, this is going to sound strange, you're at still field research. And I believe those, those, those lessons you're learning during the quarantine, even if you're drinking, right? You're, you're still going to use those lessons that are going to propel you forward in an alcohol-free life. Let's get those life plans started sooner rather than later. But your response, Jeff, was, yeah, there's there's no distractions. I can be focused on what I want to do, laser-focused on my alcohol-free life. And Jeff, I heard a story the other day. This guy joined Cafe RE, um, and he says, guys, I was on my I was on my knees praying that every single bar in Georgia close down. There's no chance of me quitting drinking unless all the bars close down. Guess what happens the next day? It reads the paper. All the bars are closed in Georgia. And he signs up for Cafe Airy and he goes, look, if God's doing his part, I guess I can do my part. I'm going to join this alcohol-free community. It was it was amazing, right? Um, how crazy of a story is that? that? Well, yeah, that's uh... – that's exactly right. That's that's uh that's God or whoever you believe in answering that guy's prayers. Hopefully, hopefully that's all it takes because the gas stations are still open. So hopefully it's still strong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I and I and I feel I heard about eight people say this, and then I had the idea, including myself. I had eight people said like, "Oh, I feel like I created the coronavirus." Oh, I feel like this is happening for me. Oh, I feel like this was so I could reevaluate my job, right? And after the eighth person said that, including myself, I was like, "Wait a second. I think everybody collectively had something to do with this happening, but not everybody's going to get what they want, Jeff, but everybody's going to get what they need. I feel what's your thought on that? Yeah, it's a, it's a reset. So if you, if you need to spend more time with your children or, or family or, um, you know, uh, take a break from life, you know, that's definitely what, what the, this situation has given everybody. You know, obviously people have lost their jobs, which is terrible, which makes it more stressful. But for a lot of people, it's a big reset. You know, if you have people that are addicted to watching sporting events and not spending time with their family or reading that book or working on that project that they wanted to, well, now they don't have an excuse. You know, so you, you got it. You got to change your ways and open your mind up. And I could feel, you know, for me, I had a lot of, I guess, things that that I would that I've done for a long time, like watch a sporting event and just turn it on. But my mind was so bored. But it was just what I know. It's what I did. And now that I can't, I've done so many projects and have tackled things that I, I've been wanting to do in the back of my mind, but didn't even know how to start. And now I've, I've, I've started and finished them. So for me, it has been great. And I think probably a lot of people are probably taking advantage of it as well to make sure that they expand their mind. Reset. That is a great word. And listeners, we have the opportunity, the challenge to reset both in the way when we remove alcohol in our life and then reset again with what the coronavirus is, that opportunity that's giving us. So we've got almost two opportunities to reset. I love how you said that. One more question before we hit the rapid fire round, Jeff. What are your thoughts on relapse? Definitely like a uh, something you want to try to avoid, but it doesn't, it doesn't mean you're a failure. You know, you can't, nobody's perfect. It just, it just matters to how, how you respond to it. If, if, if it, if something knocks you down and you decide to, to try it and, and drink alcohol again or whatever it may be, 
Um, don't beat yourself up too bad. Tomorrow's a new day. Start over. You know, the past is the past is the past, you know, and, and um, now is a gift. And that's why they call it the present. So ah, okay. you got to do you got to do what you got to do. So don't beat yourself up. And that's something that a lot of people do. Uh, that's what I did. I would beat myself up the next day uh, and the following day. And then uh, in turn, do it again. And then because I felt guilty about it. Anyway, it was just a weird cycle. So definitely you want to avoid it because you're, you're you know, you're trying to, to, to change your life. But if it happens, it doesn't have to be a continuation. Good stuff. And Jeff, we have reached the rapid fire round. If you could answer these questions within 30 seconds, that would be great. Are you ready? Yes, sir. All right, Jeff. Light bulb moment on this journey. December of this past year, uh, 2019, after a Christmas party, I was driving home at 2 o'clock in the morning, and I ran through a construction zone and ran over a bunch of uh, construction cones. And they called me in to the police, and I was cruising around my neighborhood, and luckily, they didn't catch me until I pulled into my driveway, and they asked me uh, if I had been drinking. I said no. They asked for my registration. I went to the back seat looking for it, so that was a dead giveaway. They called They called back up, and, and uh, I waited there for about 10 minutes, and then they, they let me go. They let me go, so I went to my house and, and avoided, avoided jail, and that's when I, I also realized, I'm like, okay, that was, that was, a, that was a freebie. I need to under, learn from that without having to pay for it, so... That was recent too. That was a few months ago. What is a memorable moment sobriety has given you? Just constantly being present. Just constantly uh, recognizing emotions and, and being happy, laughing. Just It's been these 65 days have, have really felt like a new life. What are some of your favorite resources? Recovery Elevator uh, podcast. Actually, that's, that's been my number one. I haven't done AA, um, anything like that. I'm not against it or anything. I just, I just haven't done it. But Recovery Elevator, and then just looking online and seeing other people that have blogged or, or written articles about um, about their same journeys. And Jeff, what parting piece of guidance can you give to listeners who are thinking about quitting drinking? Give it a try. Just try it for one day. If, if you can do it for one day, you can do it for two. And just know that it takes time. I mean, really, from my research, and you probably know a lot more, Paul, supposedly it takes up to six months for you to really actually – uh, six months alcohol free to really start feeling the, the, the full benefits. So, but just start, just try it. And another thing too, is, is you feel like you get tired of drinking water or whatever you may be doing, go, there are so many nice tasty beverages out there that you can try that will make your mind happy, whether it's tea or uh, cherry Coke or Pepsi, but there is other stuff that, that will make you happy. You don't have to get into a mind alter alternating state or altering state to feel any different. There's other things out there that'll, that'll, that'll do the trick. And Jeff, before you depart, give listeners your own customized, you might need to ditch the booze if line. If you are 19 years old, you get kicked out of a uh, football game and on your way back, you accidentally call a family member and uh, curse them out and then end up breaking into your RA's room and passing out in his bed and then waking up to the police carrying you to your dorm room. Yeah, that's a good night right there. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> good yeah. stuff, Jeff. Yeah, I'm glad I did it then. But yeah. Definitely. Yeah, right. Oh, I love hearing those. Jeff, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Nice job on 65 Days. Keep that train moving forward, and let me know how your journey goes, okay? 
Yes, sir. Thank you very much. I appreciate you. There is an enlightened puzzle company called Liberty Puzzles, and I've reached out to them for podcast sponsorship. I've done a couple of these puzzles with my family during COVID. There are 3D wooden cutout puzzles. They're awesome. Highly recommend it. One thing they do that I absolutely love is my parents have a 10-month-old puppy, and the puppy's gotten a hold of a couple pieces. They replace these puzzle pieces for free on a condition that you send a picture of the criminal, of the culprit. So we submitted our puzzle pieces along with a photo of Annie and got our puzzle pieces back for free. Liberty Puzzles, again, they're not paying to sponsor this podcast, but I've reached out to them. I hope they do. But seriously, check it out. It's really good. Um, I got one more story. Uh, of an experience during COVID. And this one's from Nicole from New Jersey. She says, today is day three for me. I've had countless day ones, but this is my only second day three. Earlier this year, I went 42 days sober. And when this all hit, I relapsed hard. My husband and I are both nurses on the front lines. All of the death and pain triggered me and I turned to the bottle. However, my eyes were open when I realized I'm killing myself with alcohol while I take care of those who are dying. I don't want to cause my children and my family the pain of losing me early because of drinking. I'm listening to your podcast before I head into work as I write this. The sun is shining and there is hope in the horizon. Hope for change, hope for sobriety, and hope for combating this virus. Nice job on day three, Nicole. Keep moving forward. Thank you for listening and thank you for your submission. Recovery elevator. We took the elevator down. We got to take the stairs back up. We can do this. I love you guys.